This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Food Factor Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Mahachek. I hope you are having a wonderful start to your week, depending on when you're listening to this. I am all in on talking today about food patterns. And food patterns or eating patterns is something that maybe you haven't thought much of, or maybe you're well aware that you have some specific patterns. And there are many. There are many patterns to eating and the way that we approach eating. Patterns, as you know, are tied to behaviors or actions that you do. Some actions or behaviors come from being on autopilot, which of course we've talked before about this being more of a habit. And and some are learned, again, can be a habit, but some patterns of eating are more learned patterns that can form into habits. But all of them are changeable or modifiable provided that you recognize them in the first place. So I've had a lot of great conversations lately around food habits and patterns. So I decided to pull some of the most common ones that I hear about and and kind of point out with clients. And I want to discuss them a bit today. So if you're listening to this and you discover or maybe you hear some of the patterns that I'm going to be talking about and, and that makes you think of someone or maybe yourself, but if, it, if you think of someone, share this episode with them. Press that little share icon in whatever platform you're listening to this on and send it to them. Send it to them in a message or however you want to send it to them, but send it to them so they can become aware of their patterns and, and make different choices and, and learn how to modify them. Now, food patterns It's one of the things that I absolutely love talking to people about. I love talking to people about their food patterns. I I could go in, and actually I'll probably do a whole other episode on this, but I could go in more detail about every single type of food patterns that there are because it's so interesting and fascinating. Some of them, like I said, some of them we are well aware of and some of them are hidden that we don't even realize that is a pattern and it's a pattern. So... When I start talking with someone on a one-to-one basis, you know, I do one-on-one coaching and, and working with clients on one-to-one capacity, I have them fill out a form. It's a rather lengthy form that dives deep into many aspects of nutrition, but one of the parts is around the food patterns and behaviors. And this one can release many different emotions from people. I've heard everything from, yeah, I recognize that, to... I had no idea I was doing this until you made me intentionally look at myself. You know, some people laugh at themselves because of some of their their patterns and some people get angry at themselves and some people actually cry and get very emotional about some of their eating patterns. Eating patterns can be emotional and those emotions almost always, if not always, are centered around personal judgment, shame, sometimes guilt, maybe stems from deep-rooted childhood issues or learnings around eating patterns. We'll get into more of that with each pattern that I discuss because, as I've said many times, kids or you as a child learn how to eat from either your family, your friends, or the environment, and then you grow into adults who carry those lessons with you. 
by the time you get to adulthood, and even prior to adulthood, actually, there's usually some sort of judgment attached to those patterns, whether that's placed on you from other people or just placed on you by yourself. But that's probably, you know, again, a whole other podcast and we can dive into more of the psychology around different things. Um, but let's let's refocus. Let's dive back into the three most common eating patterns that I hear or I see or I notice in people. Number one, fast eaters. This is you if you are always the first one done. This is you if you are on your second helping when everyone else is still eating their first few bites. This is you if you feel anxious that you need to finish your food quickly so that you can get seconds. This is you if you all of a sudden hit that wall of uncomfortably full and it seems to hit you out of the blue, even though you know we can unpack that a little bit and, and it really doesn't hit you out of the blue. But... I actually did a whole podcast on fast eaters. It's episode number 35. So go back and listen to that if you kind of want to learn more about that. I actually dive into like 10 very good and specific tips on how to help you with fast eating if if that is something you identify as. But fast eating is definitely an eating pattern that many people can resonate with. It comes from a number of different places. I see this a lot if you have grown up in a family that's big, like a large family. If you had a lot of siblings or if you had a lot of older siblings, I see this pattern form a lot because if you think about it, when you were that age, you had to eat fast if you wanted to eat. Or maybe your siblings were voracious eaters and they would eat everything in sight and then you maybe one or two times didn't get enough and that taught you to eat fast. I also see this a lot with people depending on their jobs. If you are in the medical field or if you have a very, you know, a lot of nurses, a lot of doctors, A lot of people in the medical field are forced to eat really quickly, maybe between patients, maybe between, you know, rounds or, or, you know, you only have a, even though you're given your, you know, legal 10 or 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever, the requirements of your job bounce you back and forth. And so you're kind of eating really quickly just to eat in general, and then you're on to the next thing. I also see this with teachers who are forced to kind of eat quickly as their students are eating because they have to hop up and go break up a fight or they have to hop up and go open up a juice box or whatever. They they have to hop up and do things and they're not able to sit and eat. Um, So fast eating is a problem for a lot of people. And not only is it just a, a, a nutritional issue. But let's talk about why. And I actually go into this again in that in the other episode, episode 35, but I'll recap it here. When you eat quickly, you are not in a state of what we call rest and digest. When you are in a state of rest and digest, that means that you are putting your body into a calm state, which means your fight or flight, adrenaline hormones, all of these you know, high stress activities within your body are calmed down. And when that happens, that allows for ample digestion to occur. It allows for the digestive enzymes to be released properly. It allows for the, uh, the peristalsis and the different digestive movements to occur uh, appropriately. And so when you're in a state, when you're in the opposite of that, when you're in a state of high intensity, high stress, fast eating, 
your body, certain things are suppressed. Like we've talked about when you're high stress and adrenaline's kicked in or cortisol is high because of a high stress situation, cortisol suppresses different digestive enzymes. It suppresses different digestive activities because again, from your body's perspective, you don't need to be digesting food when you're running or fighting a bear or a lion or whatever. It suppresses certain activities. When you are constantly in a state of high stress with stress hormones elevated, other things get suppressed because they're not needed in that fight or flight response. So digestion is one of them. So when you're able to rest and digest, that is why it's called that is because when you're in a state of rest and you are able to lower some of those high stress hormones, it allows your body to be able to digest. And that is important not only to move food along, but in the world of nutrition and absorption, that is a necessity. So if you're able to be in a state of calm and rest and, and taking your time with eating, then not only does that slow your eating down, so you're not being a fast eater, but it allows for you to actually absorb your food and the nutrients, which is the whole point of eating. So fast eaters, a lot of times you'll see because of the fact that different digestive things are suppressed, they don't absorb their food very well. They tend to get heartburn a lot because their stomach acids and different digestive enzymes aren't in the proper form and they aren't in the proper amounts. And and that can cause heartburn. That can cause different valves within our digestive system to not close properly, to not function properly. It's kind of, uh, it's either suppressing digestion altogether, meaning food is sitting there longer than it needs to be, which can cause infections and it can cause inflammation. And there's a whole cascade of, of downstream effects that, it, that can happen, um, but you are not absorbing things properly when you are in a constant state of fight or flight, rushing through things, bopping from activity to activity and not in a state of rest or digest. I cannot stress this enough. And a lot of times this is kind of a little bonus uh, pattern, I guess. This is not one of the three, but it's a one I'm going to add in because it's relevant. Chewing your food properly. I see this go hand in hand with fast eaters all the time. They eat like a duck. <laughs> they just kind of like swallow it down and just choke it down without actually chewing your food properly. And I know I've gone over this. I think on recent episodes or possibly, I don't know, I talk about this all the time, so I don't remember where I talk about it from. But when you're not chewing your food thoroughly, because maybe you're rushed or because of different patterns, your food then enters your body into larger particles than your body is used to breaking down. And so when it is in a giant particle that it maybe doesn't have the resources to break down because that's not his job. It's like giving you tools to build a car when you're a plumber. So when food doesn't get chewed thoroughly because maybe you're a fast eater, it gets into your body in forms that it's not supposed to be in. It's not able to be broken down properly. Of course, it's then not being able to be digested because it can't. It doesn't have access to the nutrients to digest in the first place. But not only that, 
your body's still going to pass it along and get it, move it downstream. So it's going to be in these larger particles that your body can use, which can cause infection. It can cause bacteria within your body to start eating at things that, that it's not supposed to be. And it can cause different gas and bloating. It can cause so many other issues and infections and inflammation that all because you didn't chew your food properly, all because you were rushed and you're a fast eater. So hopefully you can kind of see the ramifications of quickly eating. I know sometimes you just have to, it, it happens. We've all been there when we're like, shoot, I got two minutes. I got to eat this real quick and I got to go. It happens. But we're talking about patterns here. So if it is a pattern for you, and if it's something that you do regularly, so regular that you are now labeled as a fast eater. I don't like labels, but come on. If you do it so often that somebody would look at you and be like, yeah, you're a fast eater, then it's a problem. It's something that you potentially could be having health issues from now, or if you're not now having health issues from it, it definitely could be something that causes health issues in the future. So what do we do about fast eaters? Well, you can listen to episode 35 because I break down 10 tips on how to not be a fast eater and how to kind of help support people who are fast eaters to not becoming fast eaters. But a couple of things are to find an environment where you can, as best you can, eat in a slow, calm environment. So if it's at work, maybe you don't eat at your desk. If it's at home, maybe you find a really calm place. I've, I've definitely talked to clients who will now eat their meals out in their backyard on their deck or in a really calm room or whatever, because that's a place that brings them calm and peace and they feel at calm, they feel calm. So they aren't uh, likely to rush through something. Planning also helps if you're able to actually carve out time to have your meals. This happens so often, I can't even explain, where you plan out your entire day, but you don't accommodate lunch or you don't accommodate snack time or you don't even factor in any of the meals. And the fact that it's a vital part of your day or should be a vital, it should be top priority to fuel your body. And it's becoming not priority in many of our lives. So prioritizing your time we all have the same 24 hours in a day. How you prioritize your time speaks volumes to you. You need to take care of yourself. I know that kind of goes in one year and out the other many times, but you do. You have to carve out the priority things that you need to do during the day so that you get them done. And it shows yourself and shows everyone else around you that you care about your health and that it's important to you. Another thing that you can try doing if you are a fast eater is simply take a moment when you sit down and actually sit down to eat, take a moment, take a deep breath through your nose, exhale through your mouth. Some people might say grace or some people might have a just a, a mindful moment or intention and take two seconds, five seconds, and just connect with what you're about to do. I'm not saying you need to do this whole like ritual or routine or anything, but I'm just saying Take a moment to disconnect from everything that just went on prior to that, all the stresses of the day and all that, and take a moment to connect and just, you know, say grace, be thankful for this meal, connect with it, connect with what you're going to do, and then be intentional about eating slowly. Again, there's way more tips that are helpful uh, in episode 35, so take a listen to that if that's uh, relevant to you. Okay, number two, distracted 
Eaters. <laughs> Distracted eaters is such a problem. And it's a problem with our kids too, but I'm going to try and just stay focused on you. But distracted eater. So this is you if you eat in front of a screen, whether that screen is a TV, whether it's a phone or a tablet or a computer at, at work, at your desk. If you are eating while you are reading something like a book, if you are eating while you're standing up, that's another one. I hear a lot that people are uh, eating it while they're standing up, you know, and, and I honestly, I'm guilty of this too, because I have definitely been packing lunches while I'm eating breakfast or doing something with the kids or for the kids while I'm, I'm eating, but that's distracted eating. If you are eating while you're completing other chores or tasks, you are distracted eating. Again, if this happens one or two times, one off here or there, not probably a big concern for your health. If you are doing this to the point where you recognize these things I'm listing off and you're like, yeah, okay, I am, this is a pattern for me. I want you to think, how could this possibly be affecting my health or how is it affecting my life? Now, when I've talked to people who we've determined they are distracted eaters, a lot of them are either, you know, during, during work hours, whether they work at home or whether they work in an office setting or a different, you know, setting environment like that. A lot of people try to justify it by saying, well, I got, I'm going to work through lunch. I'll eat lunch, but I'm going to work through it to try and get ahead or to try and catch up or to try and be able to leave work early or whatever. We always have reasons to try and justify our patterns. That's the interesting thing. Whether, they, whether you can say it's a healthy pattern or a, maybe a not as supportive or healthy pattern, we find ways to justify it. And they always make sense, right? They always make sense to us. We're like, oh yeah, if I just work through lunch, I can leave a half hour early and then I get to do this out of the other thing. But let's take a look at what it is doing to your health. When you are a distracted eater, different things such as you don't remember that you've eaten, so you're not actually connecting with, with the fact that you're eating something, which down the road, down later in the day, you can be like, did I actually eat lunch? Did I have that snack? Why am I hungry right now? Didn't I eat this? That can tend to happen. Uh, it can also be that you can definitely overeat when you're distracted because you're not connecting with the fact that, hey, this, this full feeling that is actually in my stomach right now, I'm ignoring because I'm so focused on this spreadsheet or this whatever that you don't connect with like, hey, your body's telling you it's good. Okay, whoa, whoa, we're good. Stop eating, which can cause digestive issues. It can cause heartburn again, it can cause bloating, it can cause gas, it can cause headaches, it can cause energy crashes, it can cause a lot of different things. It can cause disruption within the glucose and insulin balance within the body. It, it can, of course, lead to weight gain because you're taking in more than your body is actually needing and using. Um, but other ramifications like digestive health and, and nutrient wise, it can, it can throw things off. So all because you're not paying attention to the fact that you are eating and that you need to maybe slow down eating or that you need to stop eating when you're full. Distracted eaters also tend to not connect the types of foods that they're having with symptoms. So if you have sensitivities to certain foods, or if you 
aren't really sure like, wow, I keep getting headaches. I'm not sure why, or I have skin issues. I'm not sure why. I think I'm sensitive to different things or different foods, but I'm not really sure. That's because you're not connecting with what you're eating. And people will see this a lot and say, and that's when we have to kind of step it back and say, okay, you're going to keep a food journal for the next week because you are not sure what what your body's response is to different types of foods. And so when when somebody is very in tuned and and not distracted, it's easier for them to say, "Hey, every time I have dairy, I get digestive issues or every time I have, you know, egg, I get a headache or whatever." They're more able to do that because they're more connected with what they're eating. They remember what they're eating because they're not distracted. So Distracted eaters, you might think it would be as simple as, we'll just put the screen down, (laughs) but sometimes it's not. But just like with the last, with fast eaters, being mindful about what you're eating can absolutely help. And time management around meals, again, can absolutely help. Um, I also have, and this may be relevant to you or may not be, but I have had people tell me that they distract themselves from eating because of so much guilt and shame around food. So that is normal. I want you to say if that kind of strikes something with you, that's normal. And that just shows that there's some work to be done, some internal work to be done on your relationship with food. Um, But so if you think that we always try to figure out, okay, what is causing the distraction? What is causing the issue or what is causing the fast eating? I always like to peel back the layers a little bit. So Again, distracted eating can be rooted in certain things. Maybe it was a pattern that your family had. Did you eat in front of the TV because your parents like to watch the news during dinner? Did you eat in front of the TV because Saturday mornings had Garfield and friends on and you ate your bowl of cereal while you did it? That was me. Uh, it, you know, was that a pattern that just you carried with you from childhood? It's okay if it is. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just what it is. But now, are you wanting to change that because you're noticing health issues or health things going on that those particular patterns no longer serve you? So it's okay to kind of start digging deeper into maybe why are you distracting yourself from eating? Are you justifying it with trying to tell yourself that you're going to work through lunch and, and, you know, but really take into consideration what does working through lunch really do for you? Is it helping or is it harming your health? Same with trying to do all the chores that you're doing or all the tasks that you're doing while you're standing there and eating Can you free up your schedule enough to carve out 10 minutes to eat and sit down and actually eat? Most likely, yes, you can carve out 10 minutes. It's just not part of your routine right now. And it's okay. It's going to take a little bit of more intention and thought to carve that out. So distracted eaters, again, number of things that can distract us while we're eating. And we tend to justify and support our habits with, you know, um, backing it up with, logic that maybe is not as logical as we think it is. So take a look at that in yourself and ask yourself some of those questions. All right, number three, repetitive eaters. This is you if you have pretty much the same foods every single day. (laughs) I talk to a lot of people who have no problem keeping a food journal because it's literally just copy and paste from day to day to day. Now, again, this can come from a number of reasons. It can come from maybe they've been tracking and macro counting and they just know what fits and they don't want to have to do any more work in calculating anything or counting anything. 
Um, by the way, when you work with me, you don't count anything. I actually have to, I work hard at trying to break people from that habit. So, uh, so for some people, that's a little bit of a, a shock, but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's easy for them to tell me what they've been having. And when I am wanting to know what people have been having, it's because we're trying to track down what is the source of foods that is causing your symptoms and what is the thing that we need to tweak or alter to give you a different result. So that is more of along the lines of why I have people keep food journals. I don't even have them measure things. I have them just tell me what types of foods you're having and what your meal patterns are so that we can determine what's working for you and what's not. Anyways, so repetitive eaters, again, it can come from that. Some people who have been chronic dieters or yo-yo dieters uh, or calorie counters, they tend to stick to the same foods because they know that their body does okay-ish on them and they know that it fits their quote-unquote budget for calories. So they don't have to think anymore. They just know it works. Although I can argue it's not working if you're not getting the results that you want. Anyways, repetitive eaters are also um, those who maybe if you've had food sensitivities or you have some digestive issues going on or you're just not sure, it seems like everything is flaring you up and you're just at a loss. And so you know that maybe there are like a handful of foods that your body does okay with, then you're just going to stick to them. So that that is definitely, I hope you're seeking out nutritional uh, guidance with that because we don't want you to only have a minimum of a certain foods every single day, you will be deficient and that's gonna cause other problems. So again, I kind of gave that away just now, but repetitive eaters, the, the health concern there is that you are missing the boat on other nutrients. When we stick to the same foods and meals throughout each day and each week, you are getting enough of whatever vitamins and minerals are in those foods, but most likely those foods are low or possibly lacking in other nutrients. So you are missing out on other nutrients. So for example, if you are only eating chicken, rice, and broccoli at every single meal, you're not getting a lot of vitamin A. You're not getting a lot of fiber. You're not getting a lot of of other nutrients that your body needs because you're only getting what's in the chicken, broccoli, and rice. You see? So that is the health concern when it comes to repetitive eaters. Now, I know how we can all get into a rut. We can all get into dinner ruts. And, and I have people reach out to me all the time and say, I'm in a rut. I need some new recipes. I need some new ideas. Cool. Let's work on that. That's fine. And I'm not saying you have to come up with five-star meals and, and course, you know, three-course meals every single dinner to get a good balance of nutrients. What I'm saying is if it works for your lifestyle to have somewhat of a routine or a system, that's fine. But we want to maximize the meals that you put in rotation, if that makes sense, because we want to make sure that you are getting a wide variety of all the vitamins and minerals so that you're not deficient in certain things or your family's not deficient in certain things. So if you find that you're having pretty much the same foods every single day, then where specifically could you maybe start? So I am one, I will admit, I am one that typically has pretty much the same breakfast every single day because I like it and it works for me and I I, I just like it. But when, you know, I know if I'm needing other nutrients, I'll throw in something different. I'll get eggs one day or I'll get a smoothie or I'll switch out my uh, toasts that I usually have and I'll make my own bread and I'll add some protein powder into the, the bread recipe or whatever. So I will kind of mix it up in that way. So where is the easiest point? If you're a repetitive eater, where is the easiest point 
in your week or in your day that you could try and tackle first? Where's the low hanging fruit? Would it be lunch? Is it easier to kind of throw in new ideas for lunchtime? Or maybe it is dinner where you're like, okay, I'm just going to pull, you know, 10 new recipes from Pinterest that I want to try out and I'm just going to throw them in the mix. And maybe I'll stick with like three dinners that I know the family likes, but I'm going to swap in like one or two new recipes throughout each week and just have them on rotation. You know, pick the easiest, make it as easy as possible for yourself. But if you identify yourself as a repetitive eater and you're like, yeah, maybe I should be getting in some different foods and nutrients in. Pick the easiest spot and just start tackling it. Again, those are the three, those are three of some of the top behaviors and patterns that I see in people. It the list is quite extensive of different patterns that I notice, and we could definitely go on and on, but it can get a little uh, overwhelming. <laughs> so I wanted to just keep it at three. But if you have questions on this, if you feel like, yeah, I am kind of some of these, then Hopefully some of the tips and hopefully some of the conversation around them is helpful for you and you can just start picking one and just tackling that and just set a goal around which which area are you going to address first. And of course, as always, if you need support with this, reach out to me, set up a free 20-minute consultation. I'm happy to do this to see if we are a good fit to tackle some of these or if you do have other nutritional or health-related issues that are maybe rooted from some of these patterns, we can tackle and address some of those as well and possibly uncover other ones that maybe you're not even aware of. So I want to always invite you to schedule that free 20-minute consult to see if working together is a good fit. Uh, But at minimum, you can take some of this information, pick one thing and apply it to you and your life and your situation. So again, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening. If you know of anyone who could also use this information, please hit that share button and pass it along to them or copy. If you're listening from my website, copy the URL link up above and, and send it to them. I'm sure they would appreciate it in kind of having a head start in in tackling some of these. And as always, if you could leave me a review on Apple, I would appreciate that so much. That has been so helpful in getting my podcast shared and, and into the ears of other people who could use the information who may have not otherwise seen it. So I really appreciate it. At any point, always feel free to reach out to me on social media. If you do not follow me yet on Instagram or Facebook, let's hang out. Let's hang out on social media. Find me, friend me. We'll be friends. So thank you again for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Food Factor Podcast. It is my personal mission to help people make the best food choices that they can for their particular situation. So if you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend or a family member or somebody who needs to hear this information and also leave me a review. Those are the things that help get this podcast seen and heard by more people who could use the help as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening.